for him while he preaches in his skater shoes, okay? And uh, just grab one of them. And uh, anyhow, y'all give Brother EJ a hand for being with us. Amen, amen. I mean, I, I don't know what it is. Every year I walk in this place and he starts making fun of the Florida fans, makes fun of the Georgia Tech fans, brags about Georgia. And I felt, I felt the spirit there for just, just a moment when he mentioned Kentucky, amen. And then there goes the spirit. I appreciate this church. I love it. I love your pastor, even though he's mean to me. And uh, I'm not his favorite preacher. He's not my favorite preacher either, amen. It's all right. Um, and if he was, I wouldn't say it now. Somebody help me, all right? Normally, I'd get up here and lie, but I'm not going to now. I like my chucks, and I enjoy I, Look, this is my dressed up. If I was at my church, I'd be in a T-shirt probably and blue jeans. So uh, I, I love this place. This does feel like home. Um, really, at this point in, in our ministry, we're so busy that I don't, I don't go anywhere. Uh, this is the only, what the only place that I, that I say yes to. Because it really does. This feels like home away from home. And as mean as he is, I do love him. And uh, more so, I, we come here from Miss Michelle because we know she's the treasure. Somebody say amen right there. And so I am glad to see what God is doing in this place. Hearing the report. Goodness gracious. Ain't God good this morning? Ain't God good. Amen and amen. How many of y'all have never been here when I was preaching? I just want to see... All right, so all right, all right. Everybody else just knows what to expect. Okay, good, good. And so I am looking forward to a lot, of, a lot of new faces out there this morning, and that just means you are doing what God has called you to do. And that means you're learning about having a rescue story. You're finding out that he is Jehovah Jireh. Somebody help me right there. And at the end of the day, all he has been, has ever been, is kind to us. And I appreciate the goodness of the Lord. I Normally, uh, coming to a, a church, I, I, I bring a message I've preached. I bring a thought that I, I know, and, and as your pastor kind of laid out where you guys are at and what God is doing here, I feel like the Lord has given me a thought specifically for you, but I've never preached it. I told over the last uh, 48 hours, and so what I think will happen, and, and, and if the Lord will honor this and I can get out of his way, I, I think it will be a help and a challenge to you. And uh, I pray that you'll listen with ears intently, and maybe you might have to work through some of the flesh today because I know there's still some things to work through in this thought. But God is doing a work here, and that's apparent. You can see it. That's a testimony to the vision of your pastor. It's a testimony to the obedience of the church and the willingness to be part of what God is doing I promise you this, a lot of churches are not seeing what you're seeing right now. And there's a lot of statistics that, that show contrary of growth, that, that, that you say you can't even build a church in this day and age. And, and we're not looking to build a church, we're looking to add to God's kingdom. And Christ said, I will build my church. And Christ builds the church, we just got to get out of the way. And so I say thank you to that, I think, thank you for supporting your pastor's vision. And, and growth is not easy. There's growing pains. Somebody help me. If we will let go of our desires, let our ego die, and we'll elevate Christ, you'll begin to see, even though maybe it doesn't go your way, doesn't look the way you want it to look, as long as it honors God, we can say, it's not about me, it's all about him. As a daddy of four, I am learning that even with my own children's lives. I somewhere was just misled that if you had children, they were going to serve you. I thought maybe I was having, I was birthing four servants into this world that were going to take care of daddy. And uh, what I have found out is the more children I've had, the more work I've had to do, the more labor I have to put in, and, and the more money I have to spend. Somebody help me. We spent $87 at JP's gas market the other day on the way down here. $87. That guy said, I don't know that anybody has spent that much money today in this place outside. Of we didn't even get gas. That was just snacks and pizza and all kinds of stuff. And, uh, man, it, it costs money to raise youngins. I'm going to be real honest with you this morning, maybe more honest than I should be. I, I, was, I was this close to cussing on the way to church this morning. Because youngins can make you mad. They can frustrate you. 
See, that growth process is laborious. It's uncomfortable. But what I have to remember is these children aren't here to serve me. I'm here to serve them and teach them to serve this world. To labor, to love, to elevate God, and to serve others. Genesis chapter 29 this morning, we find a very familiar story, a very familiar piece of scripture, Jacob and his uh, interesting love life. This is a episode right out of Jerry Springer. Somebody help me. This, this, this fits my church perfectly, and I, I bet there's several Jacobs in here right now that's got two wives running around fighting each other, sleeping with their handmaids. you got kids strung out everywhere. Somebody help me. Come on, who is it? Don't, no, don't point them out. I'm just kidding. You'll be fighting right here in the middle of church. Jacob is in the midst of a story here, and I don't have time to read the whole scene, but we, we, we find here that in, let's, let's just jump into verse 9. And while he yet spake with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she kept them. And it came to pass, when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. And Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice, and he wept. Love at first sight. Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's brother and that he was Rebekah's son, and she ran and told her father. Look at verse 17 with me. The Bible tells us that Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. You begin to study this out. These two sisters are on complete opposite ends of the spectrum without being mean or nasty. Just reading your Bible, he uses this, 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 this nice language to say she had cow eyes. She looked tired. She looked worn out. But then it says Rachel was what? She is beautiful. And literally when you study out the well-favored, that phrase means she was shaped really nicely. You got one sister who looks absolutely gorgeous and one sister who looks exhausted. And he fell in love with what? The beautiful sister. You know the story. They serve seven years for Rachel, but Laban tricks and gives him Leah. But you begin to jump into, let's say, verse 27. He says, fulfill her week, and we will give thee also for thy service, which thou serve me yet seven year, other years. And Jacob did so and fulfilled her week, and he gave him Rachel, his daughter, to wife also. And Laban gave Rachel his daughter, Bilhah, his handmaid, to her maid. And he went in also unto Rachel, and he loved also Rachel more than Leah, and served with him yet seven other years. In our story this morning, the two sisters, Jacob loves the pretty sister. Jacob loves the well-favored, the well-shaped sister, more so than he loves Leah. But he is married to both of them. In Genesis 29, we are introduced to a complicated story. Somebody say amen. And I think in our hearts this morning, if we'll allow God to speak, what we'll see is the choice that you and I have as Christians. If we allow the Bible to symbolize Rachel and Leah as paths that we can choose. The beautiful, easy nice-looking path, or the path that is maybe exhausting, laborious, and hard. Let's pray together. Father, we love you today. I won't ask you to make preaching easy, but I would ask that you'd make your word clear. Lord, I don't need to say anything complicated. I don't need to say anything enticing. I just pray that you would say something through me. God, you know the heart that you, the, the thought that you have placed within my heart. I, I just ask that you would display it to them as you have given it to me. At the end of the day, Lord, I cannot do this, but you can. Speak, help, give the increase. In Jesus' name, amen. On the surface of this story, it seems like Jacob has fallen for the pretty sister and love at first sight has taken place. 
We find out, as you read further into the story, he got a lot more than he bargained for. He goes to marry Rachel, and he, the pretty sister, and when he wakes up in the morning, it ain't Rachel he's sleeping next to. After a long night, he is woken up to, I'm sorry to say, the ugly sister. He's woken up to somebody that he was not expecting to lay next to him. The Bible tells us Leah was tender-eyed. As I mentioned a moment ago, it means she had cow eyes. She looked tired. She looked exhausted. Yet Rachel was beautiful. This is a journey that mirrors the essence of our Christian walk. It's a story of desires and destinies, of beauty and of labor. Rachel and Leah, symbolically, it, it is the choice of two paths. I need you to grasp the symbolism this morning so you can walk with me through this message. Jacob loved Rachel. Jacob wanted Rachel, the beautiful sister, but he had to first marry Leah, the ugly sister. This morning, what I want you to picture is this. Rachel represents the glamorous side of Christianity. Rachel is the spotlight behind the podium. Rachel is the, the lead singing role on the stage. Jacob, Rachel is that, that, that spotlight image, that perfect, cleaned-up Christian who we think never has any trouble or never has any worry. Rachel is the easy path, the clean path, what we would think would be the more desired path. While Leah is the one on the outside that maybe does not appear to be as glamorous, does not appear to be as well-favored. She looks tired. Her name literally means laboring, exhausted cow eyes. And yet what I want you to see is this tale as old as time that resonates with each of us. We at times will desire the easy path. We will desire the one that looks clean. We'll desire, if I may, this morning to be a consumer rather than a contributor. It's easy to show up when you have a choir like you do that stands up and worships like they do. And it's easy while they worship to sit and watch. One requires labor. One requires to sit. One looks nice, one looks like they've been through some things. I promise you this, that I, I don't think the choir did not practice. I, I think they've practiced those songs. I believe they have put labor into having the words on the screen. I believe they've had practices in late nights. I believe there was some, some time to get together and showing up early and being here and putting all this together. They have put in the work for worship. It's easy for others to show up and just watch. The watching at times feels more comfortable. It feels pretty and put together. But however, here in this divine paradox, before Jacob could fully embrace the beauty of Rachel, he had to first marry Leah. Leah, representing the hard, the laborious part of our work, yet I find this, that she was absolutely essential to the legacy that Jacob would leave behind. Jacob would not be Jacob had it not been for his Leah. Jacob would not be pinned in this book the way he is if it had not been for the bride that he did not want to marry. I'm not saying he was seeking after Leah. He was seeking after Rachel. But looking for Rachel, he found Aaliyah. And verse 31 tells us, And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. In our own Christian walk, we find ourselves longing for the easy, the beautiful, the Rachel moments, yet it is in the laborious, the less glamorous Leah moments that we discover and find the most profound truths. The abundant fruits of Christianity are often birthed into our lives, not through the Rachel moments, but through the Leah moments of life. 
Let's make this plain. Most of us want the glamorous side. We want the reigning without the suffering. We want the living without the dying. We want the the glory without the pain. We want the harvest without the plowing. We want the victory without the battle. We want the Christ without the cross. But that's not true. That's not reality. We want the fruit without the labor. We want the children without the birthing process. But you can't have the product without the process. We want church growth without change. We want soul saved without sinners coming in and messing things up. You're going to have to get over the fact that when souls start getting saved, that means sinners got to show up. That means maybe your glorified church stops looking like it used to look. That means maybe just possibly what you felt comfortable in for a while and for a season has to get disrupted. The soil before the seed can be planted must be tilled up. And if you settle on just seeing the flat, pretty ground, you can never get the soil tilled up to the spot that can receive the seed and produce the fruits. Don't be the rock in the field that tears up the plow. Don't be the soil that refuses to be turned up so you can release the nutrients into the seed. If the ear of corn dies alone, it cannot do anything. But if the ear of corn dies and falls to the ground, it can bring forth a hundredfold. You living without dying will never produce the fruit that God wants to see in your life. You living and being displayed as the righteous, the holy, and not having the hurting and the brokenness will never produce and yield the fruit of glory that God desires to see. And oftentimes it's the ugliest parts of life that birth the most beautiful truth in our hearts. But without the laboring to the ugly parts, we cannot reap the harvest of the beautiful. One is a consumer while the other is a contributor. Leah and Rachel represent two different paths. We can each decide to go on our Christian walk. I wonder this morning if we can just see the two thoughts that produce different things. We sing there in verse 31 that God opened the womb of the less desired sister while the pretty sister was barren. While the path that most would choose, the one that looked put together, the one the Bible records was beautiful and well favored. Yet she was barren. And yet, at the same time, the one that looked exhausted, that one that looked on the outside, not as those on the outside would want to look upon, the one that looked different, the one that was marred with the scars of life, the one who you could see the past mistakes written on their body, the one that walked in and looked tired and exhausted. It is that one the Bible says, while the world chose not to love her, he loved her and opened up her womb. There's a path we're going to have to walk if we want to see God do something in our lives. Rachel represents the pretty, the easy, the glamorous, yet the Bible says she was barren. She was not producing fruit. She was not birthing anything into this world. Leah, the labor is the hard part, and God opened up her womb. You better hear me. God is more interested in what he can do to you than what he can do for you. He is going to have to do some things to you long before he can ever do anything through you. But so many of us are not willing to go through the labor process to ever see the birthing product. Change is part of the process. Haters of change, hear me church, are enemies of the product. Could you imagine a a mother who has been fertilized uh, with the love of her life and bringing forth the product of that love, producing the the fruit of her womb into this world, uh, but rejecting the change her body must go through? You cannot produce, I'm married to a woman, we've done this four times, I'm an expert at it. 
She cannot bring forth the children, our legacy, our glory, our hope for this world without going through the process of change. And I'm not saying this morning, listen to my heart, I'm not saying she loved every second of it. She denies this to her lot. She denies this every time I preach this idea. But I'm telling you, at least two or three times during that process, she looked at me, she squeezed my hand, and she said, I hate you. I said, I love you. You're hurting me. As beautiful as my wife is, I will not pretend our life has been glamorous over the last 10 years. I will not pretend like producing children has not produced conflict, challenges, change, heartache, loss. But I got four youngins sitting over in that kids' church this morning learning about Jesus. And I've come to tell you, he is my rescue story. I know where I'd be at, amen, if it had not been the Lord who was on my side. So I've come to tell you from Fairdale, Kentucky, all the way down to Valdosta, Georgia, he's worthy, he's worthy, he's worthy. He is worth it all. He's worth it all. Every pain, every sorrow, every trouble has been worth it all. All. There are four things that I want to get to this morning that I see that was birthed into Leah's life, even though she was not the one that Jacob loved the most. She was the one who produced the most fruit into his life. Though she was not the desired one, the one he wanted initially. She was not only the one that birthed fruit into his life first, but she also birthed the most fruit into her, his life. I've just come to tell you this morning, I'm not saying you got to love every second of it. I'm not saying you got to agree with every choice within it. I'm not saying it's always going to be your preference or your desire. What I'm saying is Paul said, I die daily. If we're going to see God do something as he's doing right now, you're going to have to continue to die and choose the less desirable so he can produce the fruits that he wants to bring in your life. The firstborn child of Leah we find in verse 32 And Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. She had to go through some things before she could find this out. You cannot learn that God has seen your affliction if you're not willing to go through some affliction. You have to go through some stuff in order to learn what God can do in the midst of it. She was worn out. She was tired. She was exhausted. She just went through nine months of labor and pain. She's went into the birthing room. She's went through the laboring process, and she's birthed something through this process. And when she got done, this is what she proclaimed. She found out God saw me. God saw me. God heard and has looked upon my affliction. I've come to tell you this morning that even though I've not always chosen the hard path, uh, sometimes I have desired the easy. I'll be honest, I'd rather have the comforts of this world sometimes. Come on, help me. I I don't think anybody longs to be hurt or broken or go through pain, uh, but I have learned this. uh, Even though I walked the valley of the shadow of death, uh, he is with me. But had I not walked through the valley, I'd have never learned about his presence. I have been through some things, and because I've been through some things, I now know he sees me in the midst of it. Rachel hates Leah. Rachel is so mad at Leah because Leah is producing while Rachel's not. I can't prove it in the scriptures this morning, but I think the conversation would go a lot like this. I bet Rachel is trying to tell Leah all the things she's doing wrong. 
I bet Rachel's got an opinion about the whole birthing process. I bet Rachel's got an opinion about how it should look, how it should sound, what should happen, when it should happen. I bet she's put her finger on everything she can possibly put her finger on. But this is what I know. Rachel ain't birthed nothing. Rachel ain't ever born nothing into this world. And she's got no business trying to tell uh, the lady who is birthing and the lady who is burdened uh, how to bring forth children. I always find the ones that never done nothing always got the biggest mouth. Somebody help me this morning. Can I preach like I'm at home for a moment? I, I mean, I'm telling you, the ones that run their mouths at our church, it, it, I'm sure it's not like this here, but the ones that had the most opinions back at Field of Grace are the ones that's never done anything anyways. Don't come tell me how to do something when you've never done nothing. I remember when I first got saved, I got saved out of a, a, a shown up independent, fundamental, King James, Bible, and look, I'm all of those things. But I learned pretty quickly some of the, the traditions I was taught were not applicable to real world. <laughs> no one taught me how wearing a suit and putting ladies in dresses, how to deal with that when a prostitute comes in on Sunday morning and gets born again. How a, a literal, a drunk man came in one night with liquor on his breath, and as we were singing, the congregationals fell under Holy Ghost conviction, came down to an old-fashioned altar, and I've got, in my mind, I'm thinking, how do I get this man in a suit next week? That's the dumbest thought process I've ever heard in my life. Somebody help me. Well, I, I'm just telling you, sometimes uh, when you don't ever do anything, uh, you don't know how things actually work, but when you get in the midst of pain, uh, in the midst of sorrow, and you get down in the brokenness of people's lives uh, you learn a little mercy you learn a little grace uh, and you learn something it don't always look like you think it ought to look but God can get the glory anyways she had to go through some things where she could find out God saw her I'm not always thankful for all the dumb choices I've made but some of the dumb choices I've made have led me to places to learn that God saw me in the midst of my pain I'm not going to sit here and celebrate every issue I've ever had in my life, some by my fault, some not by my fault. But I'll say this, I can celebrate learning that God has saw me even in the midst of my pain. And maybe you're here this morning and you felt like maybe you're all alone or you've went through something and nobody saw you and nobody sees you and you're unseen and you're unloved. I've come to tell you, keep on laboring, keep on pushing, keep on growing, keep on going. Because one day in the midnight hour, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning, and you'll birth the truth that God saw you the whole entire time. Without the affliction, she had no affirmation, but the affliction brought the affirmation that God saw her. When we serve in the church, we may encounter difficulties and obstacles just as Leah trusted that God saw her affliction. We must trust that God's aware of our service, but the product, listen to me, the product is worth the process. But the process is not always pretty. And we don't get married to the process. We get married to the product. The product is seeing souls saved. And we'll do whatever we got to do next to sinning to see souls saved. And feel the grace. We have it in, in, our, in our main statements. Uh, we believe the grace of God uh, can reach out to anybody from the jailhouse to God's house. Uh, I don't believe there's one sinner that God can't reach. Uh, and we will do anything next to sin to see a sinner saved. Somebody help me this morning. Ain't always pretty, but we love the product. See, a seed has to be planted, fertilized, it's got to be attached, it's got to be nourished and fed, cultivated for nine months of change, growth, before the fruit can ever be seen. Then that fruit doesn't come out of blessing. Somebody help me. That, uh, you birth a child in this world, it does not come out to serve you. I already covered some of this, right? The second it comes out, mama's got to feed it, you got to pat it and change its diapers and love on it and labor with it. You think, man, I done went through nine months of change to get this product. Now this product's going to get plugged in and begin serving. No, you've got to pamper it and walk with it and love it and pat it and look, change its diapers and bottle feed it. It's a lot more work. 
but the labor of love. And the product is worth the process. The next fruit that's born into the life of labor in verse 33 is Simeon. Very, very similar thought, except this time Leah learns the Lord has heard me. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, Because the Lord hath heard me. I can think back of so many times in my early walk with God. I just didn't know how I was going to get through this. I didn't know how I was going to get through this moment. I remember my little brother addicted to heroin. My older brother was addicted to heroin. My daddy still run bars and he was lost. And I can remember on 211 Top Hill Road, I can remember laying down on Top Hill Road next to my bed and waking up and just in his puddles of tears, weeping and crying through the night, praying that God would save my daddy. God would save my mama. God would save my brothers. Weeping through all the night. Never not sure, I'm just uncertain. Is he really hearing my prayers? Are they ever going to get saved? Are they ever going to stop putting needles in their arm? Are they ever going to put the bottle down? Are they ever going to get in church? Are they ever going to see a change? God, do you see me? God, do you hear me? Our, our, our second child got an, uh, an infection in her blood, and, and she went septic and had to go in a little bubble, and we were terrified we were going to lose our baby. And I remember looking at my wife, and I didn't have the answers. I didn't know what to say, and we just grabbed hands. I remember praying in all hours of the night, just, just asking God, God, you've got to do something in this midnight hour. I wouldn't want to go back to that moment. I would not want my daughter to go. I, I would not choose to go back through that. If I had the, 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 the knowledge that I know now, we'd have got to the doctor earlier. I wouldn't have fought breaking to the doctor. I mean, I would have made different choices. But in that moment, I learned in the darkest of my valleys when nobody else can find me and nobody else can hear me and nobody else can help me, there was a God who drew up next to me, who not only saw me, but he heard me, who inclined his ear under my prayer, who took my tears, stored them in a bottle, and loved me enough to listen to my prayer. And I've come to tell you, my daddy's been saved, and he ain't drinking no more. My Both my brothers been saved. My mama got saved. The bars got shut down and my daughter's next door. He's a God that hears the prayers of the saints. But you've got to go through some things to learn these things. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those. Amen. Somebody help me there. He says, weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. Our wailing cannot turn into winning if we're not willing to wail. Our weeping cannot turn to worship if we're not willing to weep. Lastly, I see Levi is born into her life. Levi says, be joined unto me. What she found out in this moment was this, that God joined himself to her. The first three children of her life are lessons she learned. The first three things that she had to get through was learning God saw her, God heard her, and God joined himself to her. And all of these things were lessons that she had to learn by going through some stuff. The last nine years, we just celebrated nine years, August 27th at Field of Grace with the church. We went from six people and had nearly 600 attendants now. And God has saved over 100, I think it's 138 as of last Sunday, souls saved in our church this year. And I promise you, on Sunday morning, my preference is not what's going on on stage. I like bluegrass music. We got drums, and we've got full-on contemporary worship going every single Sunday pretty much. It's not my preference, but God blesses it. God's anointed it, and God's used it. The way it all looks, the way it's all going, it's not how exactly I'd have it all go. But it's not about me. It's about God. 
And the process, the process is whatever we can do to see the product because the product is worth the process. So we're willing to go through change so we can see the product that God's bringing forth in our lives, not just corporately, but personally. Because I believe what happens is this, what's happened in the last nine years is individuals have chosen to love the Leah moments in their life so they can learn that God hears them too. Sure, you can shout for a little while this morning that, that I've learned that God sees me, that God has heard me, that God's joined himself to me, but that's not going to help you tomorrow in that low moment of your life if you're not willing to labor through the change so you can learn God sees you. God loves you, God hears you, and has joined himself to you. And then the last child that's born in verse 35, listen to what she says in verse 35. Now will I praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. Give me some music this morning, help me. We're coming to a close right here. Notice the first three things were lessons, but now she's hit in action. Now, now will I praise the Lord. Why now? Why, why, why now? Because she's learned some things. She had to go through some things. God had to do some things to her before he could do anything through her. The soil had to be tilled up inside her life. She had to be changed. Her focus had to shift. Her desires had to move. She had focused so much on her earthly husband that she had forsaken her heavenly father. She got so focused on what the world wanted and what the world desired. She forgot about the one she should be praising. But she learned through the labor. All the while, Rachel, through this time at least, was barren. I'm not saying you got to love them. But you better learn to live in them. The Bible says in every temptation, he offers a way of escape. Stop seeking for it. Stop looking for ways to get out of your trouble and ask God to walk with you through your trouble. If you're feeling inner turmoil due to change, realize the change is worth the, the product. Somebody help me this morning. It might not look how you want it to look in here three years from now or five years, but if souls are getting saved, lives are being changed, marriages are getting helped, youngins are getting raised up in the house of God, it's worth it. It's worth it. It is worth it all. It's worth it all. In Exodus chapter 19, the Israelites have arrived at Mount Sinai after their escape from Egypt. Moses goes up on the mountain to speak with God. He instructs him to prove and to prepare the people because he says he's about to appear to them. But there's a warning that he gives them before he appears. Exodus 19, 21, the Bible says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go down, charge the people, lest they break through unto the Lord to gaze, and many perish. In the labor room, my wife has never allowed any gazers. This, is, this sounds a little funny. My, my daddy would be in that room for every single child that was born. And she said, no. Her mama don't come in. Her sisters don't come in. I'm there and the nurses and the doctors are there. Everybody in, in the room is involved in the work. No, no, no gazers allowed in the birthing room. God says, I am about to appear. I'm about to break forth. They're about to break through. And when their breakthrough meets my break forth, they better not be there just to watch. They better not be there just to look upon the work and not put their hands to it. He says, if they're there just to watch, I'll kill them. You'll die in your service if you're here to watch and not worship. You'll die in your service if you're here to watch and not work. God's breaking forth. Some are breaking through, but you better be here to get a hold of God. 
And to find out He loves you, He sees you, He hears you, and He wants to join Himself to you. So he can birth into you some things that really matter. And out of those things, true praise happens in your life. Judah precedes these things. Let's all stand this morning. He that sows in tears reaps in joy. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. He says the harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few. Everybody wants to come and partake of the harvest, the beautiful things. But no one wants to be the laborers. Can I ask you this morning, eyes are closed, heads are bowed, are there any Leahs in the room this morning? Is there anybody that's willing to forsake the Rachel, forsake the love, look, forsake the good looks, forsake the easy, and says, you know what? It may not always be how I want it to be. It may not always look how I want it to look. They may not always do what I want them to do, but it's not about me. It's about what God wants to do in this place, and I'm ready to break through. I'm ready to break through so God can break forth and do a work in my life. That you just raise your hand up submitting to God right now. You're telling God, I'm not here to watch. I'm here to work. You're here this morning and you say, Preacher, I'm, I've never been saved. Hands down. You say, Preacher, I, I've never been saved. I'm ready to get in, be birthed. I'm ready to get in this process. I'm ready to get out of the way. Eyes are closed, heads are bowed. You say, Preacher, I need to be born again. Would you just raise your hand real quick? Hands up right now. I see two, two young ladies right in the front right here. You say, Preacher, I, I, I need to be saved. Would you just hold your hand? Somebody's going to come by and talk to you here in a second. I'm going to pray. Preacher's coming. Father, we love you. Help us now, I beg you. In Jesus' name, amen. I got it. Boy, you won't hear a finer message than what you just heard. What a blessing. But if we do, if we just listen to it and we don't respond to it, then what good was it to even preach it? What good was it for us to even be here? The truth is, every one of us has experienced the times of Leah's in our life. You go back in my life, and they've been ugly all along the way. But look at what God has done. He's not done, so that means there's more Leah's to come. And I love that, that last child, Judah. You know, the blessings that was promised to Abraham. The blessings that was promised to David. They all come because of Leah. Not Rachel. See, if you'll know your Bible, you'll know that Jesus is the line of the tribe of Judah. I need somebody to help me. That cross, mine and your salvation can be directly traced back to Leah. <laughs> Woo! Sure am thankful for some of them ugly times. If you will, bow your heads with me again. If you raise your hands, I know who you are. I'm going to ask you right now, to get this thing settled. I'm coming down to the floor. I love you. And I don't want to see you struggle through this anymore. Amen. We take a Bible and we show you this morning how you can be saved. Right. Not a denomination. Not, not, a, not a list of rules that you got to follow. The Bible tells us for all of sin to come short of the glory of God. That's every one of us. Not one person in here can say, I am not a sinner. That's right. The Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. That means the payment. The wages of sin is death. That word death there means complete separation from God. And we know in the Bible, the only place there's complete separation from God is in hell. That's right. Jesus preached on hell more than he preached on heaven. Jesus gave us a story of the rich man and Lazarus and he told us that the rich man died and in hell he lifted up his eyes being in torments. There was a payment. 
But that's not the end of that verse. The Bible says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Whoever, whosoever believeth in him. Romans chapter number 5 verse number 8 says, God commendeth his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That means I ain't got to get my life right. I ain't got to get all this stuff fixed before I come to God. He knew exactly who I was when he hung on that cross. He knew exactly what he was doing when he paid the price for my sin. The Bible tells us that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Can I tell you this morning, if you're sitting in here and you say, Preacher, I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that I'd go to heaven if I was to die right now. Can I tell you, you can know. The Bible says, These things are written unto you that believeth on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. You can know today that you have eternal life. How do I do it, preacher? How do I do it? Do you believe? First off, do you believe? The Bible says that Jesus came, lived a perfect sinless life on this world, and then went to a cross and died for you and I. That's right. In our place, yeah. our substitute, so you and I would not face the wrath of God. So the Bible tells us that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Do you know that after that cross he was placed in a tomb three days later? He rose again. So the Bible says, with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. But with the mouth, confession is made to salvation. Yeah. In other words, there's something got to come out of your mouth. That's right. So right now, say, preacher, I don't know where I'd spend eternity. I don't know if I'd go to heaven. I don't know if I'd go to hell. Right now, you want to get this thing settled. And you believe in your heart that God came and Jesus Christ came, lived a perfect life, died for you and rose again. Why don't you confess it with your mouth? Something like this. Maybe you pray just like I do right now. Our Heavenly Father, are you praying with me? Are you praying with me? Our Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner. Lord, I know God, I cannot save myself. I know from your word that your son Jesus came and lived a perfect life, died a sacrificial death on the cross, was buried and rose again for my sin. For my sin. Are you praying? This morning, I ask you, Lord, forgive me. Cleanse me of my sin. Come into my heart, Lord, and be my Savior. Lord, thank you for dying for me. Given the opportunity, God, I'll live for you. In Jesus' name, pray it. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Head still bowed with me. If you prayed that prayer with me, say, Preacher, I prayed that prayer. I asked God to save me this morning. I want you to just lift your hand up where I can see it. Is there anybody in the building? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody? I see it, I see it. Thank you. Thank you. Help me out, Dalton. Thank you. Let me help you this morning. Nobody's looking around, but if you, if, you, if you raised your hand, I want you to look up at me. Nobody else is looking around. If you raised your hand, I want you to look up at me. I got a book I want to give to you. Free. Don't, it ain't no cost to you. But I'd like to give you this book this morning. I want you to come down here and let me pray with you. I'll give you this book. Somebody's going to get your name. They're going to give you one of these books and write your name. The day that you got saved, all that, they're writing this book. But I want you to let me do that. If you'll do that, I want you to come right on from your seat. Come right down front. I'll get right back down on the floor. Thank you. Come on, come on, come on. Right now, don't let anybody talk you out of it. Come on. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah.
Praise the Lord. I remember when I was at Victory Baptist Church, I was in college, I worked the altars. Brother Steve Hurt was there at the time. Now he pastors a big church over in Anderson, South Carolina, but he was there at the time. And I remember Brother Steve used to say, we were in the birthing room. <laughs> what a fitting word for how he said it uh, for the sermon that we had this morning. Being in the birthing room. Getting to see God. I need somebody to help me right here. Getting to see God born, born again in a believer here. Hallelujah for salvation. People getting saved this morning. We thank the Lord for it. The message was great. I don't know who gave it to him. And, uh, uh, but that was amazing. And uh, man, he did real good. He's still not my favorite preacher, but he's getting close. And, uh, he's getting close. And uh, man, that was a good sermon. I sure appreciate that. Visitors, thank you for being with us. We're not going to dismiss just yet as we're trying to get some things settled out. We'll be all right, I promise you. Uh, we went a little long, but that's all right. We'll get out of here uh, and you'll be fine. But this right here was worth every minute. And uh, 